In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Good morning. It's such a wonderful pleasure, uh, always, to be with you all here at All Souls. Uh, I am so grateful to Father Yoder, your rector, to all of your uh, clergy and staff, volunteers, uh, to all of you for the incredible ministry that you exercise in God's name uh, in and through this wonderful church. Uh, I am so grateful for you, and it is always a joy uh, to be here. One of my main priorities uh, as Bishop of Oklahoma is congregational vitality, and by any measure, by any measure, All Souls is uh, one of the most vital congregations in our whole diocese, and that is seen uh, not least in the uh, 22 or so wonderful folks, youth and adults, who are being confirmed today, and understand we have a reaffirmation as well. It's been a great morning already. Uh, I was able to spend some time uh, doing some teaching, which I love to do. This morning I got to teach on the daily office of morning and evening prayer uh, to a lively group, spent some time with our confirmands, uh, and at the beginning of this liturgy had my very favorite ascension hymn my very favorite one, uh, Hail the Day That Sees Him Rise. So um, we just keep getting better and better this morning. It's just been wonderful to be here. Um, now let me dig in a little bit uh, into where we are at this particular moment in our liturgical year and to dig into our scripture readings a bit as well. I hope for the benefit of our confirmands and hopefully also for the benefit of all of us here this morning. As we get closer to the end of the 50 days of Eastertide, we find ourselves today in an interesting position, don't we? This past Thursday was the Feast of the Ascension, marking Jesus' ascension into heaven. But it is still one week from today, before Pentecost Day, when we celebrate the coming of the Holy Ghost, and the birth of the church as we know it. And so today, in this ascension tide, we are in between, aren't we? God the Son has ascended into heaven, but liturgically speaking at least, God the Holy Spirit has not yet arrived. Because of this in-between feeling, some traditions call today Expectation Sunday. As we, like those first disciples, wait in expectation for the Holy Ghost, the Advocate and Comforter. Our readings today direct our attention to that great mystery of Christ's ascension. We rejoice that Jesus, who was born, lived, and died among us, then was raised, was gathered back into heaven from whence he came. 
In the ascension, Jesus is not merely transported into heaven. He is enthroned as king at God the Father's right hand. And his vehicle, if you like, to heaven is a cloud, a sign of God. We recall that it was in a cloud that God appeared to Moses on Mount Sinai. God led the children of Israel with a pillar of cloud. And a cloud was present at the transfiguration of Jesus. In scripture, clouds are associated with the glory of God. And so as Jesus is lifted heavenward in a cloud, it is as if God the Father himself has come down to bring God the Son back in triumph. In this moment of majesty, there is a bit of tenderness, of fatherly love, as God gathers up his only son and takes him home. For Jesus, the ascension is a grand and triumphant day. Vindicated by the resurrection, Jesus returns to his heavenly throne where he was before the forming of the universe. But what about the disciples? And what about us? We might expect the disciples to be heartbroken at Jesus' ascension. They were crushed when Jesus was seemingly taken from them at the crucifixion. But then he was given back in a mysterious but very real way. After his resurrection, many of them had a second chance to experience his presence. And now as he ascends into heaven, they know they will not see him in that same way again until he returns. And yet, and yet, incredibly, the disciples' reaction is not grief and sorrow. In our first reading today, after the ascension, they simply return to the other disciples in Jerusalem where they devote themselves to prayer. And Luke's gospel, which we do not read today, goes even further. St. Luke tells us that they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were constantly in the temple, blessing God. They were joyful. Why? Perhaps they rejoiced that he was ascending to his heavenly home, after so much trial and agony on earth. Perhaps they remembered his words to them, that he would in the Holy Ghost not leave them orphaned, but would be with them to the end of the ages. Soon the Holy Spirit would come to comfort them and to lead them into all truth. 
Yes, but I think it was something else, too. They were ready. They were ready. This is not the same group of bumbling, faithless disciples that couldn't get anything right while Jesus was alive. These are not the same disciples who abandoned Jesus. No, empowered by the resurrection and the Holy Ghost, they have found their confidence to be Christ's witnesses. The resurrected Christ has breathed into them power to keep his spirit alive in the world. Power to heal and to teach. Power to preach the gospel and to bring comfort to the needy. They have become Jesus' hands and feet in the world by Jesus' teaching and by his gift of faith to them. With this divine power and commitment, a small group of poor Jewish peasants went on to spread the gospel to the whole world, changing history forever. What does all of this mean for us? Well, here's one very simple way to think about it. We are in the season of graduations. Next week, I'll be in Tulsa at Holland Hall for baccalaureate and graduation up there. And then the week after, at Cassidy's as well. I suspect that many of us here today know people who are graduating high school, college, or perhaps graduate school this month. Remember back, if you will, to the graduations in your life. I know for some of us, myself included, uh, it's a little hard to remember back that far. But let's try. Do you remember that rare feeling? A combination of excitement and nervousness? Uncertainty about what the future might hold, but also enormous energy? When we graduated, it was as if anything was possible. The future stretched before us with seemingly limitless possibility. The much better word for graduation, I think, is commencement. For leaving high school or college is not only an ending, but a commencing, a beginning the beginning of new experiences and new opportunities. At my alma mater, the University of Virginia, there is a lovely tradition that dates back to its founder, Thomas Jefferson. Students there are not called freshmen, sophomores, and so on. Instead, they are called first years, second years, third years, and fourth years. The point is that they are meant never to finish learning, but are always learning anew. University is but 
four years of a lifetime of study and growth. As Jesus ascended into heaven, the disciples were in some sense at their commencement. His earthly ministry was done, but theirs was only beginning, and they were ready for it, or at least as ready as God gave them the grace to be. That is where we ought to be as well, and especially those being confirmed today. God gives us everything we need, all the training, all the experience, all the grace and power to make a difference in the world in Jesus' name, especially if we dedicate ourselves to continued Christian formation and to a pattern of prayer, those things that open our hearts continually to God's presence in our lives. For us, Christ has ascended and the Holy Ghost given. And that means, especially through our sacramental life, that God is giving us strength and power to commence, to begin in a new way, to witness to his kingdom in word and in deed. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.